these are unprecedented times. Most of us are confined indoors for the foreseeable future and do not know what's next. We are also trying to figure out how to deal with this ever-evolving situation and I believe that our careers influence us to find ways to overcome these circumstances and show us the way forward. On stories from India's lockdown, I will talk to people from different walks of life who will share how the lockdown affects them and what they do to keep their spirits high. I am your host Harsh Doshi. Join me in my journey to listen to different perspectives from people around the country while things hopefully get back to normal. Today on the podcast we have with us Professor Ashish Kulkarni who teaches at the Gokhale Institute of Politics and Economics in Pune which also happens to be my alma mater. Fun fact is Ashish has never taught me in a classroom setting which I honestly regret and only got to know him after my time at Gokhale. He is extremely well read and the wittiest coolest professor I know but most importantly Ashish is a friend and a guide. I have also had the privilege of featuring on his podcast Back to College which can be found on Anchor. Today we talk about tech assisted education and whether we should rethink year end evaluations for students who appear for their board exams welcome uh, ashish uh, on the podcast it's a pleasure to have you honor to be here thank you so much for inviting me so um, i'll 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 start with my questions uh, i'll first start sure. by asking you uh, what is your usual day like when the corona virus isn't around what is your usual day like when the corona virus is not around yes Uh, the good old days. Uh, I typically drop my daughter off to school or rather at a bus stop, then make my way to Gokhale Institute. Uh, I reach a little earlier than most people, so from around eight until four thirty-five, which used to be just uh, working at the office, handling admin tasks, which take up a surprising amount of my time, some amount of teaching. Okay. Uh, then if uh, I have lectured at some other places, teach those places, head back home. Went down with the family, and that's about it. Those were the days before the coronavirus hit. And uh, I mean, ex- apart from not being able to get out of the house, what has yeah. changed in your uh, daily schedule? What does your day now look like? I have, I think, and my family seems to agree with me so far. Uh, become slightly better at cooking, so I and my wife uh, split lunch and dinner. And so far, the meals are turning out just fine. So I'm adding to my cooking repertoire, which is a very welcome addition. Okay. What 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 did you uh, cook today, or what is the last thing you cooked? <laughs> Lunch today was falafel, and turned out. I mean, I'm being slightly modest and boasting over here, but it turned out fairly well. <laughs> no, no, I had your brownies, and I'm sure I can vouch for that. <laughs> um. Uh, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yes. 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 Please, please continue. No, no. So that's the one thing that has changed for the most part, and. A lot, whole lot of housework, but that's I suppose to across the length and breadth of the country, and in fact, the world right now. Correct. Um, as a teacher, uh, I'm sure you must be uh, missing being in the classroom. Did you try uh, taking a class on Zoom anywhere, any in, in any of the places do you teach, where you teach? No, I haven't taken a class on Zoom uh, just yet. Not because I don't want to or uh, anything along those lines. It just is the case that it's not too much of uh, teaching opportunities have come up right now. But I have been assisting other faculty members at Gokhale Institute uh, in setting up Zoom classes and so on and so forth. And one thing that I have started with my daughter is we run a Google Classroom where I try and uh, teach her something and through that process help her teach other people, which I'm convinced is the best way to learn. Okay. 
and uh, can you uh, explain it a little bit in detail how google classroom works and uh, what what is different about it sure so google classroom actually is a free to use technology widely available if you have uh, kids or young people at home you might consider starting a google classroom with them it's a service that allows you to enroll people uh, in a virtual online classroom you can set up quizzes set up assignments post youtube videos reading materials whatever it may be and it acts pretty much like a virtual classroom so whether it is zoom whether it is google classroom whether it is a ton of other online technology that you can use mm-hmm. i have long been a believer that we should underrate or rather underemphasize classroom teaching and help students learn other ways to learn so in that sense uh this has been a bit of a silver lining that we are trying to figure out new pedagogies to teach students which is great okay but uh, what is your uh, opinion on classroom activities say for example you yourself used to take uh, used to play games with auctions in your macroeconomics yes. class so yes. how do you uh, now do that on a virtual in a, in a virtual setup you lose some of the um, how shall i put it the the sense of being together when you have a virtual classroom it no matter how good the technology gets it's never going to be quite the same as having somebody real physical tangible sit next to you mm-hmm. and in that sense some of the experience that you get from a physical classroom is going to be lost okay and is the uh, i mean is the uh, trade off uh, towards the virtual classroom or towards the uh, physical classroom I mean, in, in your opinion i would much be in favor even after the coronavirus disappears uh, in terms of having more class uh, sorry virtual teaching than online sorry than physical teaching physical teaching okay uh, that being said it's not i don't think either extreme is a good idea so it's not as if every single class should be a physical classroom not as if every single classroom should be a virtual classroom say 70 30 70 virtual or learning on your own and 30% real physical interaction would be a good mix and uh, i mean safe way to extrapolate this and how would you look at the universities of future if uh, say really 70% of your learning is happening virtually and mm-hmm. just 30% is happening on campus or in a physical space yeah. uh, how does this change the shape of the future's universities i mean so uh, while ago i'd written on uh, the blog an article in which i said that a university or a college is essentially like linkedin sorry linkedin starbucks and uh, coursera rolled into one <laughs> okay <laughs> okay in the sense that a college provides you with the signaling that you've learned that's where link, uh, linkedin comes in it provides you with the learning itself which is where coursera comes in right. but the most important and perhaps the most underrated part of college is the peer networks that you build up just the fact that you are together in a particular when you're outside the classroom at least relaxed environment which is the starbucks aspect right and which to me is why no one single business is going to be able to take over a college because the college provides all three at the same time right so if you ask me uh, online classrooms are just one aspect but you need that sense of peer pressure you need that sense of being together with somebody So I can't wait for universities to start again, but weirdly not for the classroom teaching, for everything else that university brings along with it. Okay. Um, so you are of the opinion that, uh, say, for example, in the next two months, or in 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 these two three months, uh, people yeah. will start using a lot more of edX, Coursera, Myjuice, for example. I mean, or do you think it's it's their time of reckoning now? I mean, yeah, like say for example, what happened during uh, demonetization when. Uh, Paytm was around for a long time, but finally demonetization happened, and then it just took off. Do you think the same thing will happen happen with some someone like a Baijus? 
No, you still need a guide, a mentor, a teacher, call that person, whatever you will, but you still need somebody to provide a sense of leadership or guidance to students. So learning, I don't think, is the most important part that happens in the classroom. It is a mentoring and the guiding that is the most important part. So yes, uptake of Coursera, edX, and all of that will happen, but without universities figuring out a mechanism saying, all right, you know what, this guy is responsible for helping you out and he's the or she's the one who will provide a sort of a series of guideposts for your learning experience. Right. But without that complementarity, I don't think it will work. Okay. So you're saying that Coursera could only be a complementary uh, to, the, to the university, but uh, you need someone yeah. to be a mentor or a guide. Yes. Doesn't have to be preferably physically present, but not necessarily, but you need somebody for sure. Right. Okay. Um, my my next question is uh, mm-hmm. more towards. Uh, uh, so what I'm trying to ask is that, say in in, in offices uh, now they are now using work from home and uh, they're increasingly using it even during normal times. Yeah. Uh, and also talking about uh, loss of productivity or uh, uh, non-existence of conversations around, say, the coffee machine or during lunch breaks, and that is hampering innovation in offices. Yes. Uh, do you think uh, the same thing applies to uh, a college setup as well? Yes, absolutely. So that the, those interactions, those conversations, that serendipity that comes from walking into somebody's office or bumping into a student in the corridor and having a conversation, that part is the part that I think that uh, we're all missing right now. And does this apply to uh, you as a professor as well, uh, as far as your research is concerned? As far as research is concerned, no. Most of my research or most of my reading anyway used to happen on the laptop and on the internet. But those conversations, say for example, with Professor Pulsar or Professor Apte or whoever else it is in Gokhale Institute, those not only uh, do I miss them, but I think they are an integral component of anybody's uh, learning experience. Being able to bump into somebody and have a conversation is usually underrated and I think that is what is being missed right now. Right, right, right. So, uh, but do you think that a long period of uh, staying at home, uh, which mm-hmm. is uh, 21 days which which they say is enough to build a habit and if it goes on beyond 21 days, that people yeah. will become less uh, comfortable with social inter- interactions in person. Do you think that will happen? And do you think this will impact uh, education institutions? Uh, in fact, on the contrary, it's, it's, I think, a great way to teach diminishing marginal utility. I think <laughs> okay. once the lockdown ends, it's going to be exactly the opposite of, I think, what you were suggesting in your question. There will be a lot, many more interactions in the real world. People will be eager to visit discos, restaurants, whatever it may be. Right. At the risk of, I don't know if yours is a G-rated audience or not, but one of my favorite economists, Tyler Coven, said that uh, expect a lot of sex to happen once the lockdown ends. Uh, not during the lockdown? <laughs> <laughs> during the lockdown, it's uh, limited interaction, right? But imagine if you are 22 yeah. years old and you get a chance to get out back into the real world. Okay. Viewpoint from Tyler Coven's viewpoint, and I completely agree with it. It's all but inevitable that you'll have the concept of diminishing marginal utility be applied. Can't wait to have physical interactions all over again, of all sorts. Okay. Um, in a classroom, uh, when there are now mobile phones and tablets and laptops that have entered the classroom, uh, it becomes, yeah. so obviously they are teaching aids uh, to the teacher, but uh, they're also distracting uh, 
like for the students and uh, it becomes now an additional responsibility for the teacher to make sure that the students are paying attention so yep. my my uh, next question is uh, has two parts one is mm-hmm. what do you do as a teacher in the classroom to make sure that your students are paying attention and if you mm-hmm. want to extrapolate the situation to today scenario where there is whatsapp and there is a lot of fake news uh, yep. how would you make sure that uh, people or citizens of the country are paying attention and paying attention to the right news and not uh, breaking the rules and following all the orders given by the government so that the virus recedes as soon as possible okay uh, two separate questions and uh, very interesting and complex ones so i'll break them into the two uh, things that you spoke about but this might end up being a bit of a long answer sure, please. first uh, Horses for courses. Uh, everybody has their own solutions. My solution is to embrace technology and distraction. So I actually ask people to keep their phones, their laptops, their tablets, whatever it is, on and ready to use in class. If, say, for example, I cite a fact, I ask somebody to fact check it right there and uh, then in class. I ask them to take notes on a collaborative basis. I think you should use technology, and I say this for two reasons. One, because you're always going to lose in the battle to make sure that everybody is concentrating. because if a person doesn't want to concentrate then there's nothing you can say or do that is going to make that person concentrate mm-hmm. so say to them that all right you know what you want to use the technology go ahead and use it one but the second thing i always do is i never teach for more than 45 minutes at a stretch okay so take a break ask people to check whatsapp email facebook whatever it is after that 5 minute break get back and then another short sharp burst of 45 minutes that i find works better than engaging in a long lengthy lecture because people are going to be bored call it the educational equivalent of high intensity interval training if you will <laughs> okay <laughs> that's one and the second part which is how to use technology to stay abreast of everything that is happening around you but not fall prey to fake news which i think is what you are getting at yes i wish i had a tip to say that if you are comfortable with the internet if you know how to spot a hoax if you know what the differences between a message that has been sent to you on whatsapp and a forwarded message then i think it's incumbent upon you to spread that message to anybody and everybody within your friends family circles whatever it may be young people i think on average tend to be be better informed about what is fake and what is not and i think we all owe it to ourselves to stop the spread as much as possible one second even if you get a pdf or a forward or whatever it may be try and ascertain whether it comes from a legitimate website without before forwarding it two simple tips but it's it's difficult i mean i've fallen prey to a couple of fake news myself i'm not proud of it but i think the best of us have succumbed or will succumb eventually okay um okay but uh, say i mean extending this question uh, yeah. what could the i mean is there any way the government could incentivize uh, spreading of correct information or what tools could a uh, could the government use i mean uh, do you have a do you have an answer for that i think there needs to be clearer communication on part of the government i listened to the interview that uh, you conducted with dr sanjay baru uh, mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. and he was less than pleased with our prime minister's efforts beginning with the prime minister and working downwards i think we need a clear chain of command say for example uh, speaking specifically for pune we need to have a couple of twitter handles that are verified that are the place to go to for getting information relying on whatsapp i don't think is best okay so whether it is at the district level the state level or the union level or any other administrative level there needs to be clear chain of command for communication which i think is not happening just yet and if you ask me what would i want to change first and foremost 
it would be clearer and better communication right that i think the government can and should do right okay um after the lockdown uh, i mean after the lockdown gets over uh, mm-hmm. what will change for you i mean because we will we'll have been uh, indoors for a month maybe maybe more uh, <laughs> how how will you uh, uh, shuffle your priorities or what, what will change uh speaking as an educationist i think most people are going to be worried about the students who are coming in the next year whether uh, the schedule will be as per the original timeline or whether it will change how exams will be conducted both entrance exams for the next year as well as exams for the current students whether or not they will be conducted and if so how if you ask me personally and this is just my opinion to be clear this is not on the basis of anything that i have read but my conjecture is that even after the 3 weeks there will be a sectoral end to the lockdown okay so those sectors that are the most urgent or most related to stuff that all of us need will be opened up first and that too with maximum possible social distancing mm-hmm. it's impossible to envisage asking 60 people to come into a class to learn right now right. so i don't think college is going to open anytime soon right and again to be clear this is a surmise on my part this is conjecture on my part it may or may not be true yeah, yeah. but i i fail to see how if there is even a single incidence of the coronavirus uh, roaming around in this country how we can afford to have a lot of social mingling it's going to last for longer than 3 weeks yeah uh, but and which even... means all sorry which means all the academic calendar is going to be thrown out of gear so my top priority if i'm allowed to go back to work will be to figure out how to conduct all of the academic activities that are a part of the academic year while maintaining social distancing and that's going to be tricky right my next question is uh, both it's not applicable for uh, probably university examinations but towards yeah. the 10th and 12th board examination mm-hmm. then uh, so these are the years where students are preparing throughout the year and yeah. the exam is happening at the end of that year and nothing else no other evaluation during the year that takes place is uh, considered right yeah. so now this is very unfortunate that the virus struck our country at this point in time and a lot of students were uh, left hanging so this is right. a very anxious moment for a lot of students and parents yeah uh, do you think this uh, requires us to relook at our evaluation process absolutely so uh, it's a great question and i'm going to answer it from two different perspectives one the specific people who were supposed to get the 10th and 12th this year are going to suffer in terms of their ability to prepare in terms of their ability to write exam well right exams well sorry uh, it'll end up being an interesting uh, analytical question to see if the average scores dip this year they almost certainly will mm-hmm. and we should keep in mind in the years to come that this particular batch had this problem and that should be kept in mind when evaluating their academic performance one but second the larger lesson i think academicians should take away is having this one exam at the end of the year decide everything in that year is probably not the best idea so under emphasizing physical written examinations and trying to figure out alternative means of testing students is something i think we should all as society take a look at and is there a, uh, a ready model happening anywhere or uh, i mean any any uh, example that you can quote from any country for example that you know of that could be applied uh something like say for example taking the sat which uh, america does is mm-hmm. think of it as one end of the spectrum and the other uh, end of the spectrum can be the gaokao which is the exam that the chinese uh, students take the gaokao makes our exams look puny and amateurish in comparison so there are 
a lot of articles out there that speak about how much of tension there is in students when they write the Gaokao in China. Okay. But I think allowing students to take the test at their own pace from the comfort of their own home or an authorized testing center, whatever it may be. Okay. Is maybe perhaps a better way of doing it. So I realize that there are. Yes, sorry. This is the Gaokao. To allow people. Uh, no, no, no. The Gaokao is conducted. Uh, I think it lasts for an entire day, if I'm not mistaken. The exact details I don't have with me right now. But it's an exam that is something like the 10th and 12th exam, but except with much more pressure. Okay. Imagine. Okay. And the SAT is, as far as I understand it, again, I've never given the SAT myself, but the mm-hmm. SAT you can take at different times of uh, points of time during the year. And that I think is a system that works better than having everybody write an exam at one point of time. At one point of time. Okay. Yes. But there are going to be logistical issues in a country like India. But this is an opportunity to think through those issues and how best to handle them. Right. Um, I'd like to end the podcast with uh, the last question, which sure. is, uh, if you could, uh, I mean, what are you reading right now? What are you watching right now? I mean, a movie, a series, and a book that you could suggest. <laughs> uh, for the last week or so, I have not read a single book. It's just I get up in the morning, start reading about the coronavirus, and post as frequently as I can on uh, my blog. So, unfortunately, I'm not reading a book right now. Okay. Uh, in terms of, yes, very good. No, I was saying that's very unusual. Uh, it is. The last book that I read was uh, Pale Rider by, I think her name is Laura Spinney, if I'm not mistaken, which was about the 1918 Spanish flu. Okay. Great book to read for these times. So, if you haven't read it already, I would strongly recommend reading that book. Great. But after that, I haven't read a single book. Okay. That's so one. Um, movie, again, I haven't seen a movie just yet. I'm happy to note that Amazon Prime has released Parasite in India. So, I think I'll be watching that movie next. Mm-hmm. But TV watching has also come down a bit. Mm-hmm. Reading, it's just endless reading about the coronavirus and a very willing. It's not like I'm bored with it yet. So anything and everything that I can read uh, about the coronavirus is very welcome. One YouTube channel that I've been very impressed by recently is, I think, Three Blue, One Brown. Okay. Uh, is an excellent YouTube channel about mathematics. And the last three or four videos have been all about the mathematics of the coronavirus. Great watching. Okay. Um, uh, lastly, I would, uh, if, if you could uh, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media and if you could please talk about Econ for Everybody. Sure. EconforEverybody.com uh, is the URL for my blog. I used to post one article a day uh, for a very long time. Now the frequency has gone up a little bit. It's only posting about the coronavirus since the current crisis has uh, started. So if you want to read more about stuff that I write, you could visit that URL. Uh, I'm available and I think easily found on LinkedIn and on Twitter at the rate Ashish2727. Okay. Thank you, Ashish. It was a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure entirely, Harsh. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Stories from India's Lockdown is available on Spotify and Anchor. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. If you have any feedback, questions or want me to interview someone for the podcast, reach out to me on harshd711 at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at kisbatkadoshi. See you soon on another episode of Stories from India's Lockdown.